Good Sundays make better Mondays. Would you please stand with me as I read from Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. We'll see how God was wanting the Jewish people to have their great day of worship as well. Isaiah 58 and verse 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. May we pray. Father, I ask that you would give each one of us a delight in our heart for the Lord's day, and that we would delight in your day because we delight in you, and that we love you, and we are here today to worship you, to give you praise, to honor you, to exalt you, to think of what you have done for us, not just in salvation, but the blessings that we enjoy every day, every moment of life and health and family and church family, of peace and freedom and joy, all of this in Christ. Bless now our time together as we focus upon you and exalt you in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Since today is Valentine's Day, it happens about every five years on a Sunday, I want to ask you this question. What do you love? Who do you love? I've made a list this week of things I love. Now, it is my desire, and I know yours as well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. It is the greatest commandment. But after the Lord, by far the top of my list is my wife. And this June, we will have been married for 20 years. And she gets sweeter as the days go by. So that's why I chose the Canadian tie on this day. Uh, then it's my kids and, and my granddaughter, extended family, my parents, my brother and his family, our church family, and my closest friends in all of the world are right here in our church family. What I love, I love being a pastor. I love sharing the gospel. Uh, I love to know that God's children are walking in truth. I love my Bible. I love sunshine. I love snow. Yes, snow is on my list of things I love. Don't stone me. Uh, I love uh, vacation. I love jumping off high rocks into the water. I love reading, watching my kids uh, play sports and play music. I love tennis. I love racquetball and ice cream. I really love ice cream. But I don't eat it a lot because I eat yogurt to keep my cholesterol down. Now, before we get on, on into this message, I want to give you a chance to create uh, your own mini list of things you love. And so you see that there in your notes, mini list of things you love. And so I'd like you to, to, to give you a chance to, to jump started here. So I want you to, to please turn to your neighbor and just in, in 30 seconds or less, tell them five things that you love and they don't have to be your top five things, but go ahead and share five things that you really love or you love to do. So go ahead and, and uh, talk to someone out. Tell them, tell them what you love.
go. All right. <laughs> okay, I think you kind of get the hang of it. I come down here and talk to Art. Art made my day. He says, man, I love. I love coming to this church. I love hearing you preach the word of God. I love the message being clear. And I love being with God's people. And I love singing to the choir. And I love, uh, I love praying for these special prayer requests. Just all oh, spiritual, spirit-filled thankful things that he loves. I come up here and ask Pastor Joyner, what do you love? He says, I love warm weather. <laughs> I love warm weather. I love my grandson. <laughs> All right. So I want, to, I, I want to ask you, if you thought about it, you really could create a list of hundreds of things that you love. But I'm wondering this morning if your list would include Sundays. There in your notes, would I love Sunday, be on your list. I love VFBT, be on your list. Now, if Sunday is not on your list of the things that you love, then our goal over these, the, these five weeks is to change that. And at the end of this experience, I believe we'll all be able to say that simple little phrase, I love Sundays. Would you practice that with me now? I'll say it, then you repeat it after me. I love Sundays. I love Sundays. Now let's try it again as like you really mean it. I love Sundays. I love Sundays. All right. I, I believe that God wants Sunday to be the best day of your week. And today I want you to understand that, that good Sundays are going to make better Mondays and better Tuesdays and Wednesdays and so on. Now the Jews, they worship together on the Sabbath, which is Saturday. And the Christians, we worship together on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. You know, but by the time of Christ, the Jewish leaders, with all of their religious robes and all of their rituals, they had made the Sabbath a burden and not a blessing. And that's not how God wanted it. And so Jesus, he comes to the scene and he clarifies the purpose of the Sabbath when he said this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What Jesus was saying was that of all the days of the week, God knew we needed a day to break from everything else that we were doing and to refuel, to refresh, and to refocus. So when God was arranging the rhythm of life in the world, he designed one day for refueling. Now, now next Sunday is the Super Bowl of stock car racing. It is the Daytona 500. How many plan on watching that next week? Do we have any race car fans in here? couple of you, not too many, uh, even though it is the largest viewing audience of all the races for the last 20 years, do you know that every single driver, even though everybody's watching, millions of people are watching, they're going to stop. I mean, they're going to stop right in the middle of the race. It's called a pit stop. The racers know that they can't win a long race if you don't take a pit stop. Uh, they have to do several of them. And you can't win at life if you don't take a pit stop every week. Good Sundays really do make better Mondays. And so by the time of Christ, the Jews had all sorts of laws about what you could do, what you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And in the Talmud, the Talmud is, is the laws created by the rabbis, not the Bible, but by the rabbis. They had 24 very long chapters listing all of the Sabbath laws. It is incredibly detailed. It is incredibly ridiculous. I'll just give you a sample. You could not travel more than 3,000 feet from your house 
unless the day before you had planted some food, you could go the 3,000 feet, find the food, that would now be considered your new home, and then you could go 3,000 more feet, and then you could do that again and again and again, really kind of breaking the spirit of the Sabbath. You could not carry a load more than the weight of a dried fig. There was a list of forbidden foods that could not be eaten on the Sabbath. But you could eat forbidden food if it was no larger than an olive. Well, wouldn't that drive you crazy? Nothing could be bought or sold on the Sabbath. An egg could not be boiled. A woman was forbidden to look in a glass, to look in a mirror. And you know why? She might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it out, and that would be work. Can't do that on the Sabbath. No jewelry was to be worn on the Sabbath. They had hundreds of these Sabbath laws. They even had laws about spitting. Uh, It was okay to spit into a rag, but you couldn't spit on the ground. How many of you have ever been in a Sabbath elevator on the Sabbath? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Years ago, I was asked to come to a Jewish hospital in New York City, and it was uh, late at night, it was a Friday night, and to visit a faithful church member who was at the brink of death. I walked into the first elevator that had an open door. I was only going up about 23 floors, and it was a Sabbath elevator. And do you know what it did? It stopped at every floor. That way, that way the Jews do not have to press the button because that would be considered work. This elevator's going really slow. I thought this lady is going to die and be buried by the time I get to her room. And so I bailed out about the third floor, found another elevator. I mean, this kind of nonsense about the Sabbath rules still goes on today. You know that just, uh, just a few years ago in 2009, a senior rabbi published an injunction that it was okay for a Jew to hint to a non-Jew that he wants to stop at a certain floor in the elevator as long as he does not explicitly ask him. So if you ever find yourself on an elevator on the Sabbath and you hear a Jew say something like, Oh, I would love to see this door open on the 20th floor. I've told you that's your hint. And you can help them out. And so as you exit, maybe you exit off the 12th floor, you can go ahead and push the 20th floor button to help them out. But just for fun, why don't you push all the other buttons as well? You know, 19, 18, 76. (laughs) They're used to it. Aren't you glad your faith isn't like that? Aren't you glad you don't have that kind of of ritual and religiosity, petty rules that have no connection to the Bible, no foundation for true holiness, no loving fences that protect your purity, your walk with God. I mean, it's just petty nonsense. And yet today, many in Christianity are entangled with that right now in the Christian denominations. It's called Lent. Lent is not mentioned in the Bible. None of the apostles observed it. Nowhere are Christians commanded to keep it. It was not even officially practiced until a thousand years after Christ. And if you study the roots of Lent, it's based in pagan religions 
not the New Testament. So what's the difference between the Jewish Sabbath and the Christian Sunday? Well, there in your notes, you see the Sabbath was a ceremonial law. All of the other, all the other nine of the Ten Commandments are moral absolutes for all people, for all times, in all places. The other nine commandments are all repeated for New Testament believers. But the Sabbath laws were for Jewish people, just like circumcision. It was a covenant sign between God and Israel. Since the church in Jerusalem was made up mostly of Jewish Christians, it was very difficult for them to be able to give up the ceremonial law. So to help them, God gave Peter a vision of a sheet coming down from heaven with all manner of unclean animals forbidden by ceremonial law for Jewish people to be able to eat. And then God spoke and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And you know what Peter says? Not so, Lord. So we know it's the Lord speaking to him. Now, may I just stop here just for a moment and say, when the word of God tells you to do something, the dumbest thing to do in the world is to say to God, no, I don't want to do it. Don't say no to God. When God tells you to do something, you should say, yes, Lord, not not so, Lord. Yes, Lord. And so God repeats the message again. He repeats the message again. Three times, Peter gets the message, go ahead and eat those pork chops. Go ahead and have some bacon. Go ahead and have that shellfish. Go ahead and have that BLT, Peter. It's okay. The ceremonial laws have been set aside. Now, what about the Sabbath rules? Look here on page two. Why New Testament Christians do not have to observe Sabbath rules? The Sabbath was part of the old covenant for Jews. We live under a new covenant. Paul calls the Sabbath a shadow of Christ in Colossians 2, which is set aside because Christ, the reality, has come. Uh, Number three, the Jerusalem Council of Acts 15, the Sabbath rules were not given to Gentile believers. They gave them four things. The senior pastor of the church at that time, it was, it was uh, uh, James, said, Men and brethren, I give you my declaration. We're going to ask the Gentile Christians not to do these four things and not to be a stumbling block to the Jews. Sabbath laws were not a part of that. And then uh, well, I find that at number four in the New Testament, Paul warns the Gentiles of many sins to avoid. But breaking the Sabbath was never one of them. One more, number five. The early church fathers taught the Old Testament Sabbath laws had been abolished, and the first day of the week was the day when Christians meet for worship. And we find that in the writings of Ignatius, who was the disciple of the Apostle John. He lived in the first century. And so when you read about people saying, oh, the Lord's Day, Sunday, worship was created in 400 A.D., not true. Not true. We find it in the Bible. We find it in the early church fathers. We're talking one generation from the apostle John. He was a disciple of John, and he says we worship on Sunday. Now, what about the Lord's Day? Sunday, the Lord's Day, is the day Christians gather to collectively worship and celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Number two, to the Christian, every day is a spiritual Sabbath of rest. We are resting in Christ's work for our salvation and not our own works. Number three, Sunday is the day God's people gather together to tell God they love him. Do you remember what I shared last week? That friend told another, I used to hate Sundays until one day I heard God whisper to me, I love Sundays because that's the day when my children sing to me. 
And so there in your notes, I, I love Sundays because I love to worship with Christians because I love God. And this is the chart you can fill in there. I love Sundays equals I love to worship with Christians, which equals I love God. I love God. Now, the problem with our culture is we never stop. Everything is 24-7. Technology keeps you overly connected. And if you want to learn how to unplug, may I recommend a good book, The Digital Invasion uh, by Archibald Hart. Every parent, every parent should read this book. Uh, It is possible to unplug technologically uh, a day a week to do it on vacation. Experts call it, they call it a technology fast. And you can go a day or three or seven without connecting to technology. It's a hard thing to do. The more addicted you are, the harder it is to do. And may I say that almost everyone is addicted to some degree, and this will help you be able to get some balance back into your life. During the kingdom period, the Jews ignored God's Sabbath year after year. They ignored the weekly. They ignored the yearly Sabbath. And do you know the Jews, you know why they spent 70 years in Babylonian captivity? It was because for 490 years, they ignored God's commands. Finally, God said, enough is enough. I am collecting. The land will rest for 70 years. 2 Chronicles 36, 21. We need to get this. We need to understand this. Let me show you an illustration of of living without God's rhythm of rest. And if you just are always on and you can't take time for God, for family, for rest, let me give you an illustration of what happens if you just put a rubber band around a watermelon again and again and again, say 400 times. This is what happens Is this a picture of your life? picture of your life. You know, if you, if you just ignore, if you ignore what God says, and you just keep adding another rubber band, another day, another day of stress, and you don't do what God says, it's going to affect you. I mean, athletes have found they perform better by working hard and then resting, instead of just working hard all the time. Our, our muscles were designed for stress and then rest. Our souls were too. Look at these words from a personal trainer bottom of page two. Working out day after day without taking a break can cause a variety of problems for your body. Muscles use the recovery period after strenuous exercise to repair and grow stronger. A daily pounding can also cause repetitive stress injuries. Take breaks from exercise. And so when you exercise, you're actually, you're actually breaking your muscles. And then the rest allows them to repair. If you are hiking and you have to make a, a big jump up a rock, what you do is, is you take a step back 
so you can get a running start to make the jump. That's not retreat. That's preparation. And that's how you can have a better Monday. You come to church, you're taking that step back, and you're getting the energy that you need. The way to make your Mondays better is to start with Sundays. The rhythm of life needs a day of worship, of family, and rest. 52 Sundays a year, that's about seven and a half weeks of spiritual focus and vacation. God did this because when he wired us up, he made us to run best on a rhythm of stress and rest. Stress and rest. And this pattern is part of the fabric of the universe. Uh, Days are meant for work and nights were meant for rest. And God made Sundays as a day of worship and a day of rest. Now, now, now let's come to Isaiah 58 and let's see how, how God told the Jews to apply this and then we'll apply it to ourselves as well. So let's look at Isaiah 58, verse 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, that is, if you, if you watch your foot on the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, that is, don't use my holy day for your personal gain. Now, underline this. And call the Sabbath, what? A delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him. If you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, a focus upon him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Uh, if you honor it by not treating it as just, just another day, an ordinary day, verse 14, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. What is he saying? Then you'll be free You'll be free to focus on God, to enjoy God, to delight in God, and I will make you to soar above it all. You won't be under the circumstances. You'll be high above the circumstances. And he said, this is from the mouth of God. This is the voice of God. If you call the Sabbath a delight, look at page three there. If you call the Sabbath a a delight, God's secret for living in victory is to call the Sabbath a delight, which for us means Sunday ought to be the best day of your week. How can you make that happen? What would it look like to make Sunday the best day of your week? Well, how to make Sunday the best day of your week? There are two steps you need to make to have great Sundays. The first is to make a conscious decision. What is that letter A there? Honor God's rhythm for your life. Honor God's rhythm for your life. And so we're going to take a look here at a couple of Old Testament passages. First goes back to the Ten Commandments, Exodus 28. Remember the Sabbath. Now remember is a verb that looks back. If I remember something, I'm, I'm going back to the past. The commandment says, after the Sabbath has passed, we should think back upon it. But the the Ten Commandments were repeated in Deuteronomy, and there's a different verb, keep the Sabbath. Keep or observe the Sabbath. In Exodus, the command is to remember, it is to look back. But in Deuteronomy, the command is keep or observe, which means to look forward. So Jewish people have it built into their lives, uh, making the Sabbath the best day of their week. And so what they do is, all week long, they're looking forward. Sabbath is coming. 
Sabbath is coming. And then when the Sabbath comes, they have that day of God and family. And then after the Sabbath ends, then they look back and they remember what God did, how God spoke to them, how what a wonderful time it was. We do that. We look forward to something and then we talk about it when it's done. Uh, we, just had, we just had it a week ago. I, I mean, leading up to the Super Bowl for weeks, there's all this talk of who's going to be in the Super Bowl and, and then the teams and, and who's the quarterback and who are we going to cheer for? And, and there's all this anticipation looking forward to the Super Bowl. And, and then uh, uh, we went out on a, on a Monday and, and uh, we're at uh, Panera Bread and there's a whole group of office people. They got this big table and, and they're just, all they're talking about is the Super Bowl. What they thought and they're, they're kind of looking back to it. And so that, that's what he's telling the Jews to do with their Sabbath. You look forward to it, and then you remember it. You talk about it when it's all done. Remember, observe. Remember, observe. That's God's rhythm. Now, what if today and tomorrow you talked with your family, with your friends about what you learned in church on Sunday, and you remembered? Uh, What if on Friday you posted on Facebook page, I can't wait for Sunday? You start thinking about what God is going to do in church in the coming weekend. Have you ever heard the phrase, act your way into a new way of thinking? Act your way into a new way of thinking. Marriage counselors understand this. Marriage counselors teach couples who don't have feelings of love uh, to act like they're in love so they will fall in love again. I I want you to know something. It works. It works if a husband buys his wife flowers, if he does things for her, he will find himself loving his wife more because he did something that was loving. A wife who takes time to prepare a great dinner for her husband finds herself loving her husband more because she's putting effort into the relationship, into the marriage. Isaiah 58, 13. Call the Sabbath a delight. What if you don't feel like Sunday is a delight? Look there in your notes. If you don't feel like Sunday is a delight, if you will make a decision to call Sunday a delight, you will begin to feel like the Sunday is a delight. So if step one is making Sunday the best day of your week is honor God's rhythm for your life, then then step two is prepare. Prepare for Sunday as if it's the highlight of your week. Do you remember what King David said? I was glad... When they said unto me, let us go in to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122.1. He was all fired up about it because going to church was the high point of his week. How could that happen? Preparation. Guys, do you remember when you were in college and you, you asked a girl out on a date? What did you do? I mean, you, 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 uh, <coughs> you, you had some plans and you uh, uh, changed your clothes and you combed your hair and you, uh, you, you made sure the cologne was on and you, you had preparation to make sure that you made a good impression. A lot of planning goes in, in, into that. And, and what's the difference between, say, a regular date And then that date where you're going to pop the question. A lot of planning goes into the special date. You make a reservation at a great restaurant. And so it was just about 20 years and two weeks ago, I took Jody to the Skyline Tower. It's a tower over here to the right of the picture. And uh, Niagara Falls is frozen over in January. And, and at night, they, they put colored lights on it. And, and I, I called ahead of time, and I made a reservation. And I said, I'm, 
I'm going to ask this girl to marry me. I, I, I met her a month ago, <laughs> and uh, uh, we've been, been writing for several months now, and, and now I'm talking to her every day on the phone, and I want, I want a window seat overlooking the falls, and I want to make sure the music's playing nicely, and so, so I, I flew up to Canada, and I, I surprised her, and, and, and uh, after the meal, I, I, before dessert, I got down on one knee, and I, I had the ring, and I asked her to marry me, and she cried you know, <laughs> but she said yes. She cried first, then she said yes. And, and, uh, uh, but you know, if, if I wouldn't have had the planning and the preparation, if I would have just drove into Toronto to Taco Bell and kind of popped the question in Taco Bell, I don't think I would have gotten the same response. I got the right response. And it was preparation and it was, was planning because it was a special date. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that she said yes. Now follow this. What about your planning for the best day of your week? The Smith family usually goes out on Saturday night, sleeps until the last minute Sunday morning, rushes to get ready for church, and argues all the way to church. And fortunately, uh, church parking lots have that miraculous healing power. Nobody wants to look bad at church. So as, you, as soon as you get to church, uh, uh, like Jesus calming the stormy sea, uh, so he calms your family down. Now rewind, rewind the Smith family's weekend for a minute. What if instead of whooping it up late on Saturday night, they changed their fun night to Friday. What if, the, what if the Smiths prepared for Sunday morning? If the Smiths have small children, on Saturday, Saturday Mrs. Smith helps the, uh, the kids pick their clothes, does the laundry to make sure they're clean and ready on Saturday night. Mr. Smith helps the kids to an early normal bedtime. Uh, how different it would be if everyone woke up rested on Sunday morning and everything was ready. And if you're, you're the Smiths and you have teenagers at home, then you might not want to kill your kid's social life and, and, and so uh, every weekend, but you work it out and you compromise there and find a, a, a decent uh, curfew time so it's not too late. Look at the bottom there, uh, the quote from the Marines. They have a saying, proper prior planning prevents poor performance. Plan for church like you would plan for a big event. I mean, if it takes 15 minutes to get to church, what if you left 25 minutes before church started? What if you drove the speed limit? What if there was no bickering? Maybe you could sing a verse of Kumbaya together. (laughs) Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya, oh Lord. Okay, that, that's not going to work. But uh, you kind of get the idea. And, and, uh, and instead, of, instead of speeding through the parking lot, and the reason I was late for coming onto the platform as the choir singing is because you saw this man with red cheeks. He's been in five-degree wind chills. And he says, Pastor, you have to help me. He said, the people are speeding through the parking lot. I said, I will include it in my sermon. <laughs> Slow down. He said, my, and this is a very patient man, but he's a big man. He's a very, and he said, my patience is wearing thin. I brought in those, those glove warmers for them today to try and keep them warm out there. But you see, that's a lack of planning to be speeding through the parking lot and then running into church. You know, if you came a little early, you could even stop and have a conversation with God's people and have a few minutes to spare. Look on page four of your notes. How to change the rhythm of your life. 
how to make the Lord's Day a delight. Reserve Sundays on your calendar for God. This is all over the Old Testament. Reserve Sundays on your calendar for God. It, it was one of the Ten Commandments. You, you just say, we, are, <coughs> we aren't going anywhere on Sunday mornings except for church. Schedule it in your smartphone like you'd schedule an appointment with a friend. This is a meeting with God. It's a meeting with God. You say, what if people come and visit? What if my relatives come? Well, you give them a choice. You can come to church with us. You can stay home and sleep. We're going to church. I, I, I love that when, when Spurgeon was there in his study and there's a knock at the door and, and uh, the maid comes and says, Mr. Spurgeon, someone is here, Pastor Spurgeon, someone's here to see you. And, and, and he said, well, tell them I, I really can't see them now. And so the maid goes back to the door and the, the guy says, you tell Pastor Spurgeon that a servant of the king is here to see him. And so she went back and told him that. And, and Spurgeon says, go back and tell him I'm meeting with the king. I don't have time for his servants. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> you're meeting with the king. The king of kings, the king of the universe, put it in your calendar. I'm going to be there. You make this reservation for God. Let her be there is do advanced planning. Talk it through. Uh, do you want to put your clothes out the night before? What time are you going to get up? What time do you want to leave for church next Sunday? And, and make sure you have fun and plan something fun for Friday night. And then let her see, pray for God to work on Sunday. I do that. I, I pray all week for God to do his work on Sunday. Would you join me in that? Would you include that as part of your prayer that, that God would do the work that we cannot do? We can plan and we can prepare, but God has to be the one to do the work. And then letter D, invite others to come to church with you. I mean, every week, <coughs> every week, give that invitation. You say, ah, but they never come. Look around. It does work. It does work. Look forward to next Sunday. To start looking forward to next Sunday, try posting hashtag Sunday's coming on that Facebook page. Who knows? Uh, maybe it'll catch on. Good Sundays do make better Mondays. Now, I've been married to Jody for 19 and a half years. It's hard to believe. Most of you know our story. I was widowed in late 1993. We were remarried. I, I was remarried in 1996. A bunch of you drove up to Canada to our wedding. Some flew, some drove, some took a bus. Ray Clifford drove his motorcycle up. He was single. He lived a risky life before he was married, married to Wendy. He didn't have much to live for back then, uh, but uh, came up in his motorcycle. It's hard to believe that in June it'll be 20 years, it'll be two decades. Let's just say, let's just say for a moment it is your job, it is your job to interview me to find out whether or not I love my wife. So you're the interviewer. You're going to ask me questions. What would you ask me if you wanted to know if I loved my wife? What kind of question would you ask? Don't look at the notes. Just, just do me here. Go ahead and raise your hand and give me a question. What, what would you ask me? <laughs> Art is never at a loss for words. I'm going to start with him. If I have an issue, which means like a conflict, yes. if I have an issue or a conflict, what do I say to her? Good question. Someone else. Treva. 
All right? All right? Uh, so the question would be, would I, would I tell her all the time? And you know that because I do. Would I tell her I love her all the time? Yes, Robin. What's that? Do I spend time with her? One more. Yes. Do I do the dishes to give her a break? I'm going to let her answer that one. Okay, so there are your notes. Other questions would be, do you tell her you love her? What emotions do I feel when I look at her? How often do I get her something? Do I spoil her? Do I make her smile? Have I been faithful? Will I be willing to die for her? Is it Facebook official? Do I treat her as if she's the only woman in the world? Now look in your notes. Jesus asks, do you love me? Do you love me? And so let's take those same questions and let me ask you. I'm now interviewing you. Do you love God? It is Valentine's. The whole world's talking about love. Do you love God? And so the question is, is when you have an issue with you and God, what would you say to him? I think First John 1, 9 would be a good answer. Do you tell God you love him all the time? Do you do the dishes for God? Do you do acts of service to him? What emotions do you feel when you think about God? Do you make God smile? Have you been faithful to him? Would you be willing to die for God? Is it Facebook official? Do people know you love God by what you have posted on your social media right now? I mean, rather than posting what you had for breakfast, how about posting what God gave you out of his word for your spiritual breakfast? Do you treat God as if he's the only God in the world? I'm using your definition of love. What emotions do you feel when you hear the name Jesus? Is there any emotion that rises in you? Man, every time I hear that name, my heart beats with joy. Or has that name become commonplace to you? Kind of like Chip Kelly. He used to be the boss, but his place of leadership is now gone with the Eagles. Is Jesus still your boss, or did he used to be your boss? Never forget that the only way to heaven has been provided by the loving and sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross for you. He is the only way to heaven. And once you receive him as your Savior, you will want to thank him every day, but especially on Sunday. That's how you're going to have a better Monday.